And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Once again, we have been spoiled with exciting playoff hockey. Round two has been very good so far, but it took a backseat to a much bigger issue in the United States and around the world. Athletes from the major sports took a stand. The NHL's best took part as well. But it took a while before they decided to make a stand. So we review everything that has happened in the past seven days, what we've learned, and what we still have to learn. Episode 234 of the Lace Em Up podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. As mentioned in our tee-up, we will get to some hockey, but uh, Brett, we're going to talk about some bigger issues before we do. Yeah, um, for sure. So, So as... You guys know right now if you've been living in the States, and I presumably if you're in Canada, you'll also know this too, but uh, there was uh, another shooting um, in um, for an innocent bl- a black man, uh, Jacob Blake, um, or he, it's unclear if he was innocent, but he was shot when he shouldn't have been shot, um, and uh, this caused a bit of an uproar from the Milwaukee Bucks of the NBA. Uh, they were set to have a game on Wednesday, and they couldn't focus, and they didn't feel right playing a game right now and, and chose to boycott. And then pretty soon the Orlando Magic, who the, the team that the Bucks were playing, decided to forfeit. I believe then like the Lakers and the Trailblazers, uh, who were playing the next uh, you know, in a couple of hours later, they decided to boycott. Um, and then, uh, but however, on Wednesday, the Bruins, the Lightning played, the Dallas and Colorado played, I believe Vegas and, oh no, no, I think it was just those two games that were on. on yeah, Wednesday. Vegas and Vancouver were supposed to play the following yeah. day. And the Flyers and the Islanders were already playing at that point, so it's like you can't really do anything about that. But um, those last two, maybe you could make a case that they shouldn't have been playing. Uh, anyways, the uh, NHL got a lot of heat, and to be honest, because I watched both those games, but I felt a little weird watching it mm-hmm. given what like the NBA was doing. I was just like, oh, this is historic, and like if you do play, it's like, oh, oh my god. <laughs> like It kind of like shows that you're, it's just a, a bit tone deaf. Um, mm-hmm. And um, the ML, some MLB games decided to postpone their games. The WNBA decided to postpone their games or boycott their games. Um, and I think there was a couple of other uh, leagues that also did it. But the NHL yeah. um, played all their games, and that uh, was upsetting to a lot of people, including me. Um, even if it was my Bruins, I, I would have uh, rather they just uh, postpone that game. But... Um, that didn't happen, um, not just because the Bruins uh, did, were shellacked um, in that game, but um, even even still, it was. Uh, it, I don't think it would. Even if the Bruins had won, I'd still feel that way. Um, so yeah, so the NHL play was then uh, postponed on Thursday and Friday. Matt Dumba and Evander Kane, who are now a part of this uh, Black Players Coalition, I forget the exact 
uh, name Hockey of it. Hockey Diversity Alliances, I believe what it's called. Thank you. That's I, that was that's on me. I shouldn't have known that. Um, and Ryan Reeves, who's on the Vegas Golden Knights, he was uh, there was a story that he was he was going to boycott on Thursday. Um, and then he was really worried that he was going to be the only one to do so. And then uh, he got there in the morning, and then a bunch of Vancouver Canucks came up to him and said, like, we're with you, and we're also going to boycott. So, um, so yeah, he was really worried about it. Um, and, and then they had this whole press conference with um, a bunch of, like, the current players who are still there. I think Nazan Kadri was there, who's... Um, mm-hmm. I think he's mid mid eastern. Um, uh, Pierre uh, Edward Bellamar was also there. Jason Pierre Dickinson yeah, was there for the stars. Yeah, Jason Dickinson. He knelt. Um, one of the first players to kneel. Uh, same yeah, with Tyler Reeves, Sagan. Yeah, and uh, Sagan and Robin Leonard also knelt as well. So, so yeah, that was. Um, so yeah, they were the main pioneers in getting these boycotts and stuff. And um, yeah, I think it was like. Yeah, it's better than nothing. Um, I, I do remember, like, at the start of the Bruins and Lightning thing, they just had, like, a screen on the Jumbotron that just said, End Racism. And it was just, like... Yeah. And it was only showing there for, like, a second. And I was just thinking, like, that's it? Like, that's literally the bare minimum. And it's like, I understand that Dal- uh, the NHL has primarily white players and... Um, and that's the same for, like, but that's the same for baseball. And, like, but baseball, they decided to postpone their games. And they decided, like, pretty And then thereafter, pretty much every, every team decided to postpone their games. And I guess there is, like, you know, maybe there is some glean way, or I think a lot of the players mentioned afterwards is, like, we didn't know that that's what the NBA was doing, and... They haven't been paying attention to the outside world because they're in this bubble. But still, it's just like it. it well, was the just, NBA players yeah. are in the bubble too. Right, right. That's what. <laughs> right, that's a good point too. And it's just like I don't know. It, and it, on top of like the story that Logan Couture got beat up because he was apparently a Trump supporter, and then it turns out that like. Uh, Logan Couture doesn't even vote because he's Canadian, but at the same time, it's like, you're still a Trump supporter, it just doesn't make sense. And then it's like, I don't know. So he would vote Republican and mention Trump by name specifically. Yeah, yeah. so, um, and, you know, he's the cause of all this stuff anyways. So, uh, Trump is. Um, (laughs) not Logan Couture, even though... Yeah, not not Logan. Logan... Logan just got roasted on Twitter. I should just made uh, Trump is the the reason for all this stuff happening. Um, It doesn't, I I will say he hasn't helped calm the waters. For sure, yeah, that is a good point. It's it's been happening even before Trump was president. Yeah, it happened before Trump, but at some point you you would think, uh, you know, like, he's not... There, there, there'd be a point where, where, like, it would calm down and the president would get up there and... That's fair. And say, just, just, like, calm down, like, Cooler heads prevail, please. Right, right. Um, but sh- that, that hasn't happened. We haven't heard that kind of rhetoric from. Uh, yeah. So I should say that I should reiterate that like systemic racism has been happening for decades and centuries, even uh, not just you know not just. I find like, it's right flared now. up a bit more in recent years. Of though. course, yeah, and I think 
a lot of that has to do with Trump being president because he uh, he doesn't like he hasn't denounced the KKK or he, he hasn't um, and he thinks like both sides are have bad people and good people which doesn't make sense at all so because um, he wants he because a lot of his supporters are racist and believe all this stuff so and this is also yeah. an election year and this uh, is election just, year too just so. mentioning that not to get political, but we just got not political. Not to get political, but yeah. just stating the facts. 2020 election. We're not a political podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> we rarely talk about politics. We rarely po- talk about it, but we can at least mention that. Um, yeah, when context. it becomes bigger than a yeah. sport, that's what we talk about. Exactly, and in this context, yeah. So, um, and, and that goes with this, too. It's like sports is a distraction for me. It's a distraction mm-hmm. for a lot of us, and I, I, I assume you as well, but... Yeah, that that is a good point. Like there is times when sports shouldn't be played and shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't like and forces us to think about these larger issues like racism and systemic racism and things of that nature. So, um, although like yes, these athletes don't like necessarily are making all these laws and all that stuff and. Um, but at the same time, you can't just ignore it. And they know that people like, they know that people are watching and they know that and all that stuff. So when they stop doing this stuff, then, um, that just looks badly. It like silence is the worst thing you can do. So, um, so I think it, it worked well in terms of like causing all this stuff to, to happen. Um, so I don't think the NHL reacted appropriately. Um, they did. They did eventually do so, and um, on Thursday and Friday. So I do give them some credit for that, at least doing something. But um, it's just frustrating because after all the George Floyd stuff, and they were one of the last leagues to even have players who were kneeling. It's just. It just makes it seem so, like. Like, okay, so now you're going to try to do better on all these issues, and this was your first test, and they failed mm-hmm. miserably. So, like, it, it doesn't give me um, any confidence that the NHL is going to do anything. Um, there was, like, a report that the Stars CEO, not Jim Lights, but another guy, <laughs> uh, said that they lost um, some season ticket holders for... Uh, due to all this Black Lives Matter stuff. So um, at least that's a good thing because, you know, you don't want racists in this league. If if this, if our fan bases are a bunch of racists, that's not the type of league for me. So um, so that's uh, that's good at least for something. And I'm sure like places like Dallas and all those southern states are going to be losing a ton of money because of this. But at the same time, you can't... Um, you do, like racism should not be as prevalent as it is right now. So it's 2020 guys. Um, and, uh, yeah. So how do the players look and how does Batman look? Um, actually at first, let me, I'll, I'll bring it to you. Cause I've just been talking for a while now. That's <laughs> uh, it's all good. Um, and, and this is, this is the whole thing. Like, we're very privileged to have a podcast, have the opportunity to talk about what we want to talk about, to have freedom of speech. And the fact that 
there are some people in America who don't feel safe going to work, walking home, going to sleep at night because of, you know, various things. You know, if they grew up in a rough neighborhood, um, if if they've seen stuff on the internet about, like, police, you know, maybe that pertains to, like, their level of bias as, you know, um, cops are not great people. You know, that, that yeah. might pertain to their bias. And I will say that I know quite a few people who have gone to be police officers and have done a very great job of it. And they're very respected in their profession. One of my relatives who sadly is no longer with us, very respected in his field and would probably be rolling in his grave at everything that's been going on in the United States right now. That, And I will preface by saying not all cops are bad. There are some very, very, very good cops, and we have seen on Twitter good cops rallying with their community and recognizing, hey, we don't like this as much as you do. Let's walk together and let's walk together and find a solution. And there are good cops out there. The unfortunate part is we're seeing a lot of the the evil apple um, in America and it's it's sickening and when you see all of that on twitter that just adds to the opinion of people that that want to defund police they'll point to this and they'll just like see that yeah, yeah. see that right there that's why we need to defund the police right and i will preface also by saying defunding the police is a very very slippery slope that i yep. think could lead to very bad consequences because when something bad happens or you've been robbed or you yep. feel like your life is in danger, the police are the first ones that you call every single time. And you look at events like the Las Vegas shooting in October 2017. Law yep. enforcement is there to serve and protect. And they did that, you know? In times of crisis, they are there for you. Yep. They are there for me. They are there for all of us. And I don't blame anyone who when they see you know images of people who are supposed to serve and protect turning against you i i don't blame you for being scared you should be and it doesn't have to be this way it shouldn't be this way and there has to be change and in the protests following the death of george floyd we saw athletes taking part sedano chair captain the boston bruins took part peacefully in the boston protest tyler sagan and yep. back then we were dealing with a global pandemic so uh we didn't really get to see hockey players react in this kind of a way because there was no live sports being played there wasn't in the nba or the mlb or in the nhl in various leagues right So this was kind of like the first big test where athletes are just like, we see this, we've had enough, we're not playing. And, you know, obviously we're not going to see change overnight. This is, this alone is not going to change things. But I feel athletes, there's only so much they can do right now. And one of the things they can do is not play. Because, like you said, sports serves as an escape. Yep. And we're watching it in our spare time. Uh, it's playoff hockey in the NHL. Everyone that I'm sure listens to this podcast loves playoff hockey. They we love a good playoff hockey game. We wouldn't and have if this. if there's not any playoff fact. hockey because of this kind of movement, they're going to sit there and take notice. Yep. So I, I, kind of, I kind of feel that 
this was probably the best way just for a couple of nights to get people and say, we're not playing. This is why. Please be informed about this issue because it's very, very serious. Yep. In terms of the NHL stance, they were late to the party, yes. I think the best time to send a message was right when the NBA did it on Wednesday night instead of the day later. But if you look at the this turning off topic for a second, the global pandemic. Yep. Within a matter of hours after Rudy Gobert tested positive, the NBA was shut down, their season was suspended. The NHL didn't suspend its season until the next day. I would get very, very concerned if Thursday goes by, Friday goes by, the NHL still does nothing. What greatly concerns me is the big wigs at the top, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, Commissioner Gary Bettman, and their reaction to this, because everything about this was player-driven. White players were reaching out to Ryan Reeves, yep. saying, we're, we're with you, what do you want us to do? We're here to help. And that is a huge win for the players because the only way we can get change is not trusting the guys at the top. It's the guys that play this game for a living. And they showed up, they stepped up to the plate and they sent a message. And I don't think Gary Bettman would have sent him. Well, I can't say for sure because we don't know if the players stayed silent. We don't know what the NHL would have done. But when you listen to what Bill Daly said, um, he said this was um, th this was around the time where um, where um, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, determined like uh, where it was determined that the NHL was going to go on with their games on Wednesday, and uh, the NHL's deputy commissioner basically said uh, we don't have. Uh, plans to postpone games tonight. Uh, didn't expect the NHL to initiate game stoppages, but emphasized that the players are always free to express themselves in any manner that they feel is appropriate. So he, with that quote, it sounds like basically pass the ball back to the players and say, it's in your court now. What are you going to do? Right. And the players acted on that. So yeah. I, I'm not sure if there would have been proper leadership at the top if, if the players did nothing. Which yeah. is what concerns me about the whole thing, is what the guys in power would have done. But yeah, the didn't do anything. that's a good point. And I think, well, first off, I just want to mention uh, this when, because you, you talked about it a, a couple minutes ago, but um, yeah, I, I, I also agree that, you know, the cops' job is, or cops' jobs are to protect the neighborhood from crimes and all that stuff but like this is coming from a white guy this is also like yeah, these are both white just we're so both, know, white, we're both yeah. white but like i can understand if i were a minority if i were a black person i would be afraid of the cops even though that's why they're not you know because of all this stuff that's going on right now uh with george yeah, like floyd you, you look yeah. at the video so and the guy yeah. is has his back turned, yeah. he shot seven times in the back. Yeah. Like, I don't know what he did, and yeah. if what he did, if what was bad, what justifies shooting somebody in no. the back seven times? Yeah, usually... And he's, and he's handcuffed in his hospital bed, too. Yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah, thank God he's alive, by the way. Um, yeah, but that's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. He's alive to tell the somehow. truth. Yeah, somehow he's alive, but I was, uh, apparently what that cop was supposed to be doing 
was tasing them because that's usually what you're supposed to do and not or some you know, form of yeah. diffusing the situation exactly not some form seven times in the back yeah keep them alive at, at yeah. best and stuff and and all that stuff so um yeah it's just crazy that um there's that so yes i i agree that not all cops are bad uh however i think like the slogan for defund the police needs to change a little bit because it's not that they want to like strip like we we want to have no cops um it's more to <laughs> it's more to change the whole cop structure to begin with where you like because the cops are one of the uh, out of all the things that government funds cops are the, the the police are the most um funded like organization that that is funded and within good reason because you know we all want to be safe and it's one of the big reasons why america is a first world country is just because of how protected we are but um and in order for them to do their jobs properly they do need a certain amount of funding so i feel like if you're taking away a bit of that funding in order to defund the police i'm not sure if it necessarily equals a better police force true but i think there is also like you could take some of that money and put that into the education system um, yeah. or you could which take is that, another thing that america right. needs to work on as well yeah exactly or you could take that money and put it into what other other things are needed for for sure so um mm-hmm. so i i think like just in general i think there just needs to be a better way of saying like it's not to fund the police but move money from that that's given to the police and put elsewhere um, so it's not necessarily that police should get zero funding, but um, yeah. make it more even. Um, so, and then back to now, <laughs> that's my PSA here. Um, <laughs> and then uh, at, back to how the players look. And yeah, you have a good point that like if it wasn't for the players, if it wasn't for Ryan Reeves, Matt Dumba, and Evander Kane, yeah, I don't think the games would have been postponed on. Uh, on Thursday or Friday, um, and that is upsetting. And but on the same at the same time, like like if the Milwaukee Bucks didn't boycott, none of this would have happened. Um, and um, it's not like the commissioner was like, you know what, we have to do something. Of the, you know, Adam Silver didn't do that, the NBA commissioner, um, or you know, it, it wasn't like that much of a. Like, I think just in terms of, like, just as a whole, as a sports league, yeah, everyone. Like, not just the players, but the coaches, the commissioners, um, the owners, they all yeah, should. And, and the, yeah. coaches, the coaches yeah. for Vegas supported the team. The coaches yeah. for Vancouver supported the team. Right. Travis Green himself said he's very, very proud of the guys for what he did, would yeah. support them no matter what they did. Yeah, Cassidy said that if the players had mentioned something, he would have been in support. Uh, so, yeah, there is there is something to that, and um, yeah, and the other point, like <laughs> the NBA, even went as far as that. I don't know if you know this, Steve, because I don't think I've mentioned this, but the any NBA arena um, owned arena. Uh, so it's not TD Garden because that's owned by Jeremy Jacobs, but um, yeah. any NBA owned arena is going to be a voting booth uh, come the come election day um yeah which is which is awesome so um so yeah i hope the nhl does the same thing 
because uh, that's that's another big issue that's going on in America where where I'm sure given all the coronavirus stuff and the fears and stuff, uh, people may not go out to vote and stuff. So giving them a, a huge place like that to to actually vote um, is is will be huge even in in all those NBA owned places. So that's great. Um, and, and and you yeah. you take a look at um, a lot of um, the star players in the NHL, um, yeah. how they're going to be getting involved in initiatives. Apparently, the idea to protest games from Philly side of the point was, um, I think, sparked by Chris Stewart. Um, Nathan yeah. McKinnon wants to aid in the social justice fight in Colorado. Uh, for Dallas, Joe Pavelski personally saddened by the events that happened in Wisconsin. Uh, Jacob Slavin, the Hurricanes defenseman, fighting for racism, uh, fighting yeah. against racism for his adopted daughter. Yeah. So, like, just because you're white, you know, doesn't mean that you can't be like a part of this protest too. And I think yeah. it's like getting people like outside of like like black, black people in, involved. Like, this needs to be like a worldwide issue that everyone yeah. gets on board with. Like Elaine Vigneault, the Flyers saying he was spending like 20 plus hours a day trying to get his team prepared for the next game not really focused on the outside world it's not it's not necessarily pointing the finger at Elaine Vigneault it's like how dare you not know anything else in the outside world you know if the dude's busy he's busy but we need to take the time and get educated and get informed about this whole thing and yeah. I think that's another part of why this action was probably a good thing for the sports world it's for to sure. get everyone to wake up and say, hey, this this is an issue. This is an issue that needs a solution, and nothing's going to change if we don't act. Yep. And and uh, like, um, uh, I'll give an example for the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, the president of the Las Vegas Police Protective Association was very disappointed with the stance the team took uh, on this issue. Now we remember how the team and the entire city rallied around each other when the shooting took place in October, 2017, uh, just before the franchise played their first game. Of course, there was the big, big shooting. Uh, one of the deadliest in American history might be the deadliest in American history. And, uh, the team said, uh, recently they will continue to use their platform to raise awareness against racial injustices. Uh, the organization supported the player's decision to not play Thursday and the organization is committed to bringing about lasting meaningful change that has been needed far too long with actions, not words, adding this action alone will not solve what they call a deep-rooted systemic problem. Yep. And uh, Steve Remus, the president of the Las Vegas Police Protective Association, said, it appears to my law enforcement brothers and sisters that the Golden Knights would rather jump on the bandwagon of attacking the police profession rather than waiting for the facts of an event to be brought to light. Since then, uh, since that uh, letter was posted, a letter which Grandma says he authored, uh, he says high-ranking members of the Golden Knights franchise have presently reached out to him to continue the dialogue, declined to comment further, but apparently the dialogue at this point is said to have been pretty positive. Yeah. Again, conversation can equal change, and it starts with having a conversation. Yeah, I didn't realize that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a couple of days ago. Oh, wow. So it's 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 an issue where it's divided a lot of people, and there is no common ground yet. Yep. And 
it's something that's going to take at least a couple of years to like really gain some significant progress on it. But if at the, at this current rate, if nothing changes, uh, we're going to see more of these cases and I don't want to see it. Like, even if you did something bad, I don't think you should be shot in the back seven times right. no, same. and potentially die. Same. And the, and at worst case being paralyzed. So yeah, we, we got it. We got to get rid of, incidents like this i don't i don't want to see it again we thought with george floyd it was going to end it wasn't yep if we don't do anything to stop it now it's just going to keep on happening so people might say it's unnecessary that the sports world did this but nothing they've that society has done to this point is worse so yep i guess the sports leagues were like why not give this a shot you know if it gives us one step forward let's do it so yeah. um, I'm I'm very proud of the athletes for at least taking a stand and saying this has to stop. Yeah, I agree, and it's um, it's it. I mean, you kind of hit the, or you said it, kind of already, but yeah, it's like you thought like, okay, like George Floyd, this is enough is enough. Emmett Till was a big one back in the day. Um, yeah, Eric Garner, Eric as Garner, well. Brianna Trayvon, Taylor, Trayvon Martin, Brianna Taylor. The list yeah. goes on and on. Yeah. Oh, but like, it's like how many people have to die or yeah. close to die um, before uh, something gets changed? And you know, I'm I'm I don't know what what's gonna happen. So, um, anyways, on that note, let's go to actual hockey. Um, yeah. And because uh, we talked about this for thirty minutes, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about this now. Um, I'm sure, unfortunately, I think the, the it's gonna get worse and worse. But I uh, might just be me being a pessimist right now. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's go to hockey. Um, so I I did this. Uh, so we have four series going on at the same time. Um, I did this in a way of most interesting to least interesting. Um, so I have Dallas versus Colorado, then Tampa versus Boston, then Vegas versus Vancouver, and then Philly versus the Islanders. Um, so that's the order we're going to, uh, just to, I know it's going to be a weird order, but, uh, just bear with us. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to start Especially with... Especially when we get to the Bruins part, bear yeah. with, uh, bear, bear with Brett. Bear with us, huh? Yeah, mostly you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying because Bear is like a Bruin. Anyways. Oh, oh, that's You didn't get then. the pun yet. Yeah, um, no, I, I totally <laughs> slipped my head for a second, actually. I'm the, and I'm pretty good at bad puns, so. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a bad pun, to be fair, so. Um, the, uh, so yeah, we're going to start with Dallas versus Colorado. Uh, Dallas leads uh, 2-1. Um, right now, which is kind of surprising, although I did predict Dallas will win in Game uh, Seven, but um, but still pretty exciting, um, unexpected because I I had just assumed that Colorado would be up two um, one instead of Dallas being up two one. But anyways, I so we're recording this on Sunday before all the games are happening, so this will probably change when you hear it because uh, yeah. Game Four will happen after we record. Um, Kudobin has been fun to watch, uh, is yep. the first note that I have here. Um, he has, um, just throughout this playoffs, he's been six, he is six and four. Um, he has a 2.75 GAA and a save percentage of um, 913. 
Um, and he's only let in, well, except for uh, game three where he let in six, but he's let in five goals of the other two games. So he is kind of slipping, but that's still not too bad. Um, especially when Nathan McKinnon um, has been unbelievable. He's had seven points in these three games. Uh, Miko Rantanen has also been pretty good with five points in um, in these in these games. Um, in terms on the other side, Alexander Radulov has five points um, in these these series, so he's getting going, which is nice to see. Tyler Sagan is also getting going, two goals and two assists. Um, I believe Jamie Benn has also been pretty good too. Miro, yeah, he scored some big goals in this series for yeah. sure. Denny Garyanov, who had that big game uh, five uh, in the last round, but he has a goal and an assist. Um, there was also that play uh, for, I think it was in game one, where Essa Lindell may or may not have scored, but it, it was, like, too hard to tell. But, like, Essa Lindell was celebrating, and then, um, and then the refs saw that, and they were like, okay, I guess he scored. Um, so it was debatable, but it turns out it didn't matter. Um, so uh, game one, Dallas won five three. Uh, they really turned it up in the p- first period, and Colorado kind of got going in the second and third, but just wasn't enough to get five goals um, in that period. Um, and then in Dallas, in game two, Dallas also got five goals, but they had like four in the second period. Um, yeah, I think they were down two nothing to start yeah. game two as well. And then, uh, yeah, the, it, it was one of the. I watched that full game. Dallas was really dominant in the second period, but then like the first and the third, Colorado was really getting going. Um, then in the third game, Colorado kind of goes back, um, and they score six, uh, six goals, and Dallas gets four. So yeah, that one was a wild one. Um, and I imagine it's it's going to get kind of crazy, too. Um, also of note, I think we mentioned this last week, but Grubauer got injured um, in Game 1. So, um, so yeah, Frank Cruz has been the goalie for Colorado um, in that matchup. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's a bit of that. Uh, I guess before I ask to change predictions, what are your thoughts on this series? So I think in order for the series to turn around in Colorado's favor, uh, Francis needs to pitch a gem. Um, he's been good at times throughout the series, but I think a complete performance, uh, a 60-minute performance from him and for the entire Avalanche team, like McKinnon's been great, but at times the, the rest of the team's been lacking. So like they really need to pull the rope in the same direction together or they could be in trouble. Like they, in, in game three, they were... They started one nothing down, then they scored three straight. They were up three to one, but Dallas scored three goals in a span of six oh five to take a four three lead. They almost lost game three and almost went down three nothing in the series. Yeah, which I don't care how good Colorado is, I don't think they could pull off four straight wins against the Stars. So they needed that game three win. They didn't get that game three win very easily. They're going to need to be much better in game four, and I definitely see. 
um, a better performance if they can get it done in game four. If they can't get it done in game four, I do not like their chances at all. Yeah. Um, but overall, like you mentioned, Hudobin's been great. Um, average 32.3 shots faced per game. Uh, four goalies have faced more shots than Hudobin in the playoffs so far. Jacob Marchstrom of the Canucks is first. Vasilevsky, Tampa Bay is second. Darcy Kemper of the now eliminated Coyotes is third. Corey Crawford of the eliminated Chicago Blackhawks is fourth. Um, prior to that game three loss, he won five straight decisions, uh, stopped 36 of 40 in game four against Calgary, uh, stopped 28 of 29 in game five versus the Flames, uh, 38 saves on 41 shots in game six, noteworthy because the uh, Calgary Flames went up 3 nothing in that game, Dallas stormed back, and Udobin held down the fort, um, both in the first period when it was 3 nothing uh, for Calgary, to buy his team some time and throughout the rest of the game when Calgary started to turn it up uh, he was there with an answer every single time um, so there was that then we go to the Colorado series stops 28 of 31 in game one McKinnon had a lot of great chances throughout the game particularly that first period Hudobin made some great saves uh, then we go to game two against the Az where he stops 38 of 40 shots um, once again making some stellar saves early in that game to keep his team in it, buy his team some time, and they were able to take advantage of that. So over that five-game stretch, he had a 2.48 GAA, five wins in the books, and a 9.28 save percentage. Um, so his ability to post good numbers, not only that, along with his ability to not bend in pressure situations, has definitely raised his value. Yep. Um, and... I would say at least a third of the league is going to be asking about him in free agency. Yeah. Because he fills the need for a lot of teams. He's a good goalie that in a 1A, 1B situation could be pretty good, um, could play 30 to 40 games, and he won't cost you that much. Like for a backup, he might cost like three to four million, but still, like if it's to bolster your goaltending depth in a cap strap league with a lot of big-name goalies coming up that are looking to get paid in the next year or so, he's probably going to be one of the biggest bang-for-your-buck options out there. Yep. Um, and forget Dallas. There are going to be, like, at least 10 other teams that would probably be willing to take a chance on this guy because he's been that good in these playoffs, and he can deliver when it matters. So um, yep. this is going to be huge for him short-term and long-term. And he's only 34 years old, I should also mention. So... Yeah. He's more of a short-term solution, but at the moment, he's he's delivering. And you need goalies that can deliver when it matters. So yeah. the, regardless of how old he is, it's, it's, it's reassuring. The interesting thing about Kudobin is is that, yeah, he's been fantastic this year. Uh, it's no question. And, and in these playoffs, too. But I am curious to know... Like what? He, like I don't. Th- I don't see him being a starter because this is, like as you mentioned, he is pretty old. Um, and I feel like even <laughs> the older you get, I don't think you can, you get fatigued more easily. So I would be curious to know. I I assume that's a free agent or some some team will sign him, and it may not be Dallas. Um, but I would be curious to know if he's going to be like a starter, like kind of like, uh, Carter Hutton or um, was because he's another, like, career backup um, and and finally got his shot, um, or if it's, you know, it could work out, like Robin Leonard or something. 
So I think he's probably going to be one of the most played backups in the league. Yep. He, and I think the format they have in Dallas with him and Bishop is probably the ideal for him. Yeah. Like you look at, you look at teams like Calgary. Um, you look at teams like Edmonton, Pittsburgh, yep. Washington. If they part ways for for Holtby um, yep. in the off season, Chicago. Um, yeah, Chicago teams like that, Detroit as yep. well. If he's willing to go to a lesser team that's not expected to win, yeah. But there are a lot of contenders that could use him. Like I mentioned uh, with San the other Minnesota looking to upgrade as well. Yep. Um, San Jose, Montreal really needs another guy to help out Carey Price. Philly yep. perhaps as well. So there are a lot of there are a lot of teams both good and bad that could use his services so yeah um this playoff run's helping him now and it could very well help him later for sure so does this change your opinion on the series if colorado loses game four dallas has this in the bag i don't think they will lose three straight if they get up three to one if colorado wins i very much like their chances but they need to really turn it up to 11 the rest of the way because uh, if they keep playing like they had the first three games, I don't think it's good enough. Yeah, the thing, I mean, I've been watching, like, I've been watching this series and the Bruins series as well, um, like, a lot of it. And um, I will say that I think Colorado has been the better team at some points. Um, it's just that they're not scoring. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and which is kind of crazy when you think about it, because... They, you know, they had like five goals one game, or they had six goals another game too. So it's it's not like they're not scoring um, and putting pucks in that, but it's it's just the other t- the stars are, you know, it's what I kind of predicted because I had the stars in seven, um, so I wouldn't change my prediction, um, but um, I could see Colorado like winning the next couple and, and start, I would get nervous about that. Yeah. Like the, the thing with Colorado, as I mentioned in the previous episode, it's all about momentum swings yep. this series. And like Dallas has scored their goals this series in bunches. Yep. I think Dallas has been able to handle the momentum swings for the most part better than Colorado has. Yeah. And I think the team from here on out that continues to handle momentum swings the best is going to ultimately prevail. So Colorado needs to really turn the tide in their favor, and they can't really allow Dallas much real estate to get back into the game because they, it doesn't take them much time to do that. So for sure. uh, momentum swings have been huge, and they will continue to be the rest of the series, yep. for sure. So we now go to game one of the, or the series of the Bruins and the Lightning. Uh, so the first a series that could be over very soon. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the Lightning are up three one, um, and so it, it started off in game one where uh, the Bruins looked like the better team. Uh, Coyle, Pasternak, and Marshawn got things going, and then Victor Hedman got two goals late um, in the third period, and those were both off deflections off of Charlie McAvoy so then you're like thinking okay things are uh, getting a little bit interesting and then you go to four uh, it's Lightning Bruins 4-3 um, Andre Palat who's been incredible this series um, he has four goals in uh, in these three games um, sorry four games um, and yeah he has um, he got the OT winner 
um, there. And then it goes crazy, because uh, this is a back-to-back, um, and uh, I guess just Yaro Halak was fatigued and uh, couldn't take it. Um, and uh, so it was 7-1. to one. Yes, you re- heard me right. It was 7-1. to one. I didn't even watch the third period. That's how bad it was. Um, they <laughs> even put in Dan Vladar, who it was his first career NHL start, um, he did manage okay, but it was it was very clear that it wasn't the goaltending's fault. It was pretty much just the defense that just couldn't get yeah, it going. Yeah, was, it was just trial by yeah. fire. The team yeah. as a whole just didn't look right. Right. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so, Dan Vladar made his playoff debut in Game 3, and then Game 4 happened um, where... Um, yeah, so the the Lightning were actually in control. I mean, the Bruins had a couple of chances in the first and the second, but um, they really, like, Vasilevsky's been fantastic as well. But um, Andre Palat, who scored in the first period, he also scored in the second period. Um, and then uh, there was this Nick Ritchie hit on Yanni Gord, um, and uh it happened where Yanni Gord was like right next to the boards, um, and uh, Yanni Gord passes it, and then about like two seconds later, uh, Nick Ritchie comes out of nowhere and uh, checks him. He finishes his checks basically, and uh, he goes to the boards, and then it looks like he's seriously injured. He does come back in the third to his credit, but um, but it, it did not look good. Um, Nick, I don't know why Nick Ritchie's even playing. I know we, we, the Bruins traded for him, but um, I, I do not want to see him in a Bruins uniform ever again. Um, it was like, it's like, what are you thinking, man? Um, it's like, I, I understand the, the I like he's the prototypical Bruins player, and that's what management has said. But at the same time, it's like, like guys like, you know, Marshawn, Lucic, um, Sean Thornton. Um, I'm just thinking of guys in the past, like even Terry O'Reilly. Those guys could score. Nick Ritchie hasn't shown any offensive ability whatsoever. He's just used as like a, an instigator. He's he's close to, he's not yet there yet, but he's close, like those plays like that, that's like a Matt Cook level of play right there. So, it's like, why are we even getting this guy? Um, and then, in turn, Bruce Cassidy still has his, his guy here. He said, uh, this is on Yanni Gord. He says, good player, clever player, obviously. Um, got them on the power play for five minutes, and then he finished the game with no problems. Um, and then uh, Cassidy then talks about Nick Ritchie. He says he's, he did a good job. He's finishing a check. Um is it just a 225-pound man hitting a 175-pound man? Paquette did the same thing, if not worse, to Coolman. The standard is set. That's what he asked to do, be hard on people. So I guess, to clarify, I guess he was saying that there is that double standard. I think I did look at that Coolman uh, hit, and it wasn't the same. It wasn't even close to the same. Uh, so I don't know. I think... I love Cassidy. I've talked about how good of a coach Cassidy is, but 
on this, like, I understand trying to defend your player and all that stuff, but, and it's, it's probably a way to, like, rally behind it, like, oh, it's us against the world, but you're, like, when Bruins fans are against it, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad, because usually there's some questionable hits where you can be, like, Bruins fans get heat on because of that stuff, but for hits like that, you're just like, what what what's going on? Like that was clearly an intent to injure type play. I don't understand what's going on. Um, so um, I'll let you talk about this stuff. But um, yeah, actually, go on. What what are your thoughts on the series and Yanni Gore um, in this situation? Well, continue the tangent with the hit because um, like you is trying to like maybe like make the argument that's like it's oh, not Yanni Gord's fault that uh, Nick Ritchie's so big and so strong. Well, right, right. Kind of like similar to what Vigneault said uh, about the, the Niskin and Gallagher yeah. situation. Not, sure. not Matt's fault that he's so tall, but like the Matt Niskanen situation was a battle in the corner. The puck was away from the play for like two to three seconds. Yanni Gord yep. is not even paying attention to Nick Ritchie, not expecting to get hit, and he gets hit. Yeah. Like, that's interference by a country mile yeah. and automatically five in a game any way you slice it. Like, no, it's, yeah. it's not finishing your check. That is a penalty. At, at the best, you'll get two for interference. At the worst, you get five in a game. Nick Ritchie needs to understand when to lay off and when not to. That was a time to not finish your check. Like, you're... After a game three, like the Bruins played, the last thing you want to do after you're down a goal or two is make a hit like that, put Tampa on the power play for five minutes. You have to kill that off. You can't play your game. You're trying to get back in the series. It did no good for the Bruins whatsoever. And he's a top ten, former top ten pick. He can hit. I think there's scoring potential there. But... I don't care if you're the first line guy, the fourth line guy, or in the press box. That is 100% avoidable, and it's unnecessary. Yep. Like, I'm sorry, Nick. You, you can't do that. Yeah. And that really hurt your team. I think that could have denied a Bruins a very opportune chance of really getting back into this game. Because this isn't the Tampa team from 2019 that won games handling. This team knows how to win close games. They won this game 3-1. to one. They won game 2 in overtime. They can blow you out of the water, yes, but they know how to win those close games, and they're fine with winning the close games in the playoffs. Yeah. And you have given them now three chances to eliminate you. That, at the end of the day, is what the Bruins have to do. They need to win three straight or their season's over. And I know they're the only team with 100 points this year, and yes, they're very good, and Pasternak's very good, and Bergeron's yeah. very good. Even with a lot, they can still win. Heck, if they win game two, they go up to nothing in the series. Yeah. Like, Boston is a very good team. Yeah. But let's not forget this Tampa Bay team, for the most part, unchanged. Last year won 60-plus games and can also score a lot of goals. Yeah. So you can't give them a five-minute power play just to wreck you. Yeah. Like, you, you, need, you need to be a bit smarter there. So anyways, that's my thoughts on the hit. Wouldn't be surprised if we get suspended. Even if it's for one game, because that's probably what the NHL is going to get. On, on that, game. actually, I have an update on that. 
Okay, uh, is he getting suspended, Brett? So I, this is from Joe Smith, who I guess is a Tampa Bay uh, yep. beat reporter. He's a beat writer for Tampa, yep. He says, the Richie hit on Yanni Gord Saturday was reviewed by player safety, but no suspension. Um, hit their, their explanation was hit was timed at less than 0.6 seconds from time puck was released, and they've never given discipline for hit less than 0.6 very rarely for late hit with no head contact penalty was warranted though. So, um, this is the one time where I want my player to be suspended, but I guess he's not. Um, and you know, Cassidy's still going to play him, which is unfortunate. And I'm sure Richie's going to make another stupid mistake on game five and stuff. So at the very, at yeah. the very least, they got the call right on the ice. Yep. Five in a game, 100% every time. Yep. I'm glad they made the right call on the ice. I would have given them a game, but yep. it, it, at the end of the day, the Bruins are down 3-1. to one. I guess the NHL wants to give them at least some form of life. And the other, anyway, thing, the other thing is, is like it didn't even seem like the hit was 0.6 seconds from the time Puck was released. Yeah, it, you know, it's like, a bit longer than that. How? How is that the? I don't know. That that doesn't seem right to me. But okay, whatever. Kind of uh, other questionable hits and see if they're point six seconds away from the puck. I well, don't know yeah. if you go back like what four or five <laughs> years. We, yeah. we we need we need to test the NHL's theory on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, um, yeah, but sorry, yeah, getting on. back to Andre Pilat. Um, so I have uh, got some stats on him dating back to his first ever season with Tampa, which was 2012-2013. Uh, and 27 regular season game against the Bruins, regular season. Andre Pallad has three goals, 10 assists, and 13 points. Pretty decent stat line. Stamkos has 13 goals and 25 games by himself against the Bruins. The same amount of points as Pallad. However, the only guys that have more points against the Bruins in regular season than Pallad in this time frame are Steven Stamkos himself. Yep. With 19, that's only six more points than Pallad. Nikita Kucherov, he has 18 points. Victor Edmund has 16 points. So Palat is fourth on that list. He has 39 shots on goal in that time frame and only averages 16 minutes, 42 seconds per game. Yep. Fast forward to Andre Palat in the 2020 playoffs. He had no goals entering the series. He now has four. Um, he got his first goal of the series in OT game two. He's the guy who scored that OT winner that uh, drew the series level. So that was definitely a big goal in uh, game one. He had uh, two hits, one giveaway, two missed attempts, one shot on goal, and he didn't score. Yep. And Tampa lost that game. Game three, uh, you're sorry, game two, as I mentioned, he had the game winner, but he also had three hits, four shots, two blocked attempts, and three missed shots. So very active in game two. Um, the, the key thing to note about Tampa Bay in those uh in those uh, two games, they had five power play chances combined, drew blanks on all of them. Yep. So that definitely helped the Bruins there. Don't let Tampa score on the power play. Tampa in game three goes three for six with the extra man. Step one to lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning, give them a lot of power play attempts, um, especially in a back-to-back. That's That just adds to your demise. Um, and um, in, in that overtime period in Game Two, they were outshot nine to one. So you could argue the series started to turn on the, on the, in that overtime period. It only lasted like under five minutes. Um, so Tampa was definitely buzzing there. Uh, Palat opens Game Three with the power play goal, so he gets the ball rolling. Finishes with two points, three hits, one or three uh, three shots, one hit, and two block shots. Only played sixteen minutes, thirteen seconds in Game Three. 
again, very active. Game four scores the opening goal of the game, then makes it 2 nothing Tampa, finishes with five shots, and his team wins the game 3-1. to one. So you can argue, yeah, they have Kucherov. Even without Stamkos, they have Kucherov. They have Hedman. They have Braden Point, who's having an amazing playoffs. Andre Vasilevsky's doing his thing. But overall, as a team, it's pretty balanced, yep. you know? Um, and depth guys like Andre Palat stepping up make Tampa that much more deadly. Um, so the Bruins need to find an answer uh, for Andre Palat at the moment. Yep. And the fact that um, he's been able to kind of get a bearing on Halak's weaknesses a little bit doesn't bode well when you consider, as you mentioned, Brett, their option only just made his playoff debut this week yep. and has never played a regular season game. So unless he's David Ayers, even if he is David Ayers, yep. reincarnated or something, um, or one of his ancestors reincarnated, um, I'm not really certain that the Bruins can win without Halak if he struggles. So it's going to be a tall order to get three straight wins off of Tampa Bay for a variety of reasons. And um, I think for Tampa... At the same time, they are wise to finish the series in five um, because I do think the Bruins are that good of a team where if this series is three to two, I can see them winning games six and seven. Yep. So if, if I'm Tampa, I finish them off uh, before they get a chance to get up and uh, and observe their surroundings and get ready for game six. So yeah, uh, that's just me, but I'm still pretty confident that Tampa is going to finish the job. Yeah, um, so uh, also Andre Palat, as mentioned, has been really good in this series. Um, I also want to, I didn't really do this before, uh, Kucherov has seven points in these four games, in, in this series. Um, he's tied with McKinnon uh, for the, the lead in this, in this second round. Uh, Brad Marchand, uh, so Palat, Brad Marchand's been really good um, on the other end. Uh, he has four goals, um, which is awesome. And David Pasternak has five points, but four goal, four assists. Um, and then uh, in terms of other players, Braden Point's been really good, six points. Um, six points, huh? get it. And then Blake Coleman, um, he's another depth guy. Um, he only has two goals, but uh, there was that one play that, like, um, what's his face? Uh... Bogosian, um, of all people, like oh yes, like Doc Bogosian, yeah, he, he looked he, like I think it was Bobby Orr, yeah, yeah. He made that ridiculous move. Yeah, yeah he he looked like that. So, um, yeah, yeah and, and he passed to Blake Coleman, who also made another great move. And it's just like that was one of those moments where, like, like I hate to see it as a Bruins fan, but like as a hockey fan, it's, it's, it's like, hard to okay. be mad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was good um, for for the Lightning. <laughs> um, and also, I found out that the Bruins have not scored an even strength goal in 128 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, take that into hand. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, we said before the series that I think the Bruins and the Lightning are kind of on an even playing field. They can, yeah, you they're know, the same team, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the outcome isn't um, like any outcome, like Lightning and four, Bruins and four could have happened um i think it's pretty clear though that like right now the lightning's depth scoring is the difference right now mm -hmm. um with guys like uh Pellot and coleman 
Um, even Sergachev has gotten into the mix as well. So it's like, um, yeah, so I think that's been the difference. And um, although, like, Pasternak and, uh, and Marshawn have brought it, like, I want to see more out of Kashe. I want to see more out of Krejci. I want to see more out of Bergeron. I want to see more out of, like, uh, DeBrusque, out of uh, Coyle, even, um, you know, McAvoy, uh, Krug, even. Like, Krug's been invisible this entire time. Um, and I think you're right. I did have Bruins in seven. But um, I hope I'm wrong. But... I, I think the Lightning are going to finish them off in five. Um, I just, and personally, like, I, just, I, I may be, pe- call me pessimistic, but, um, and I am. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just don't see it happening. I just want to get the series over with, like, and me up their misery. Because I don't think the Bruins, like, they are an even team with the, the Lightning and they could compete, but... Um, I think the way that the Bruins are playing right now is just, it's just not good enough. And, um, so I think they're gonna, I think the Lightning are gonna win on Monday. Um, yeah, so. Just the fact, again, like I've said over and over, the Lightning have a serious chip on their shoulder. Yeah. They're looking like the team that we expected in last year's playoffs. And I think that defeat last year has really served them well. Yeah. Uh, the, like I said, they're winning the close games. They're not intimidated. They play this entire playoffs to date without Stamkos. Um, they didn't have McDonough for game two either, who's a big part of their shutdown defense. Yeah. Um, and they just continue to find ways to win. So, yeah, uh, Tamp- Tampa's ready to play. And not to say the Bruins aren't, but uh, Tampa's brought out their best. Yeah, so, so there's that. Um, Vegas and Vancouver is our next series. Um, hold on, let me pull some stuff up here. Um, so the, um, yeah, so in game one, it seemed like it was pretty handily going to be Vegas because they shut out the Canucks. It was five, nothing there. Um, and then you had, but then game two happened, uh, and the Canucks won five to two, um, and especially Elias Pettersson had a phenomenal goal, um, like a McDavid-esque goal um, in the second period, and that, that was really awesome to watch. Um, and then in the third, uh, the third game, the, um, the Golden Knights won 3-0, but Vancouver did shoot a lot. Um, I believe it was... Oh, I thought I had it here, but I guess I don't. Um, well, at, at, I, w- I would say Vancouver capitalized on their yeah. chances. Okay. Uh, Vegas, Vegas, in terms of opportunities, had way more than Vancouver. I think yeah. it was more like a two-to-one margin. Oh, so yeah. what happened here, was here it is. Vegas, Vegas had 40 shots. Another 40 shots were blocked. The Canucks had 30 blocked shots by the end of two periods. Yeah. Okay, and I have this they, they missed here. another 13. So they had not, Vegas had 93 shot attempts and only scored twice. Yeah, here. Yeah, I have the stats here. Um, the the Canucks shot sixteen shots on goal in the first period, um, and then in the second and the third they had seven in the second and eight in the third. So that's just uh, it turned into thirty one shots on goal in total. But then Vegas uh, really got going in the second and the third. Oh, you're yeah. talking game three? Yeah, yeah. 
Yes. Okay, I was talking game two in reference because the I game see. that Canucks won, yeah. Vegas had a lot of chances to score. So yeah, yeah. I, I think this is more the case of um, Vegas just continuing to throw pucks on net and they were able to convert. Yeah. Like in the first period, you mentioned about execution. Vancouver was very good in execution in game two. Yeah. Vegas had three shots by the time the shot total was seven to three Canucks in the first period. At that yeah. time, it was two nothing Vegas. Right. So they had three shots and they scored twice. Yeah. So Lenair obviously has been, has looked really good uh, because mm-hmm. of, um, because of uh, he has two shutouts. Um, albeit he gave up five goals in between, but still. Uh, in terms of scores and stuff like that, Alex Tuck has scored uh, in four straight of his playoff, in the playoffs. He mm-hmm. That includes the game, the elimination game for the Blackhawks in the last round, um, but he scored a goal in each game so far. Uh, f- uh, so yeah, four-game goal streak. Um, also, uh, Shea Theodore has five assists um, in these three games. Um, I think he leads the series in uh, points in, uh, for both teams. Um, and then Mark Stone has three points. Elias Pettersson has also three points as well. Uh, those are the ones that stand out in that regard. But, uh, yeah, it's been, like, even though it hasn't shown it, it's kind of interesting. Or it, it seems kind of even throughout because... Uh, the first, like the first game, Vegas really took over. The second game was when Vancouver took over. Uh, the third game was a bit of a tie, even though it was a shutout on Vegas's part. Um, like in just in terms of like possession and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, this is this has been kind of an interesting um, dynamic throughout. Um, I feel like. Um, yeah, I still have Vancouver winning this series. I believe I have Vancouver in seven, um, and I think that's still going to be the case. Um, oh no, I have Knights in six. So uh, yeah, I, I could see that happening. Vancouver, Vegas looks really strong, um, and and all that stuff. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if if Vancouver steals a couple games or two because um, Markstrom's looked pretty good uh, despite. Um, the last two games so um yeah i could see it happening but what are your thoughts i think vancouver's going to be very opportunistic because the way that vegas has played in terms of shot generation in terms of scoring chances the past three games it's going to be like that from start to finish all series long yeah um like like i said 40 shots on goal 40 shots blocked 30 of which came in the first two periods of game two and 13 missed shots so they had 93 total chances in game three or in game two, rather, to score, and they only scored twice, and they gave up five goals. More often than not, those are games you're going to win. So Vegas was able to withstand Vancouver Storm in the first period. That first period in game three, probably the best Leonard has played in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. They needed him to come up big, and he did. Um, and then from that point on, Vegas um, got on level terms. They started playing their game again and outshot the Canucks and added a Mark Stone goal towards the end to seal the deal. Um, So it's going to be really tough uh, for Vancouver to win this series Um, just with the way Vegas is getting uh, shots on them. So they're going to have to be really opportunistic with the chances they do get. It wouldn't surprise me if they won this series based on their playing game two. If they can 
play that way and win games, then great. But Markstrom and their defense, um, they're going to have to withstand everything that Vegas throws at them from start to finish. And it might work through the first three games, maybe throughout game four or game five or game six, but they're going to hit a wall at some point and Vegas is probably going to take control. So I'm, I, I think Vegas and six, that's my prediction originally. I think that's still possible. Vegas and seven might still be more realistic. I can also see Vancouver winning the series, but I'm still pretty confident with Vegas uh, winning just because of their depth. Eventually yeah. it's going to be too much for Vancouver, I think, but yeah. it would be nice to see the Canucks advance. They've endured a lot, the franchise, the fans. Yeah. I would like uh, to see, players. it would be nice, to pass, but I just think Vegas is too good. Yeah, I agree. I think Vegas is too good, and that's kind of what we predicted last uh, last week. Um, but then I, again, Tampa was too good last year, and they got swept. So for sure, for sure. But Not I mean, it's really the best team that always wins. But yeah, it's still. I mean, <laughs> that's that's still like Tampa was. Tampa was the best team in the regular season last year, but uh, yeah. but Vegas has been the best team during these playoffs. So that there is a difference there. Um, and also, I would like to see uh, Quinn Hughes uh, make some noise because um, he's been kind of silent this series. Um, so I would I would like to see him uh, take over. Um, but you know, we'll see. Of course, he's still a rookie, so even if he was quiet, we could all expect that. But g- given what he was like um, in the previous couple rounds, he uh, I thought like, oh, maybe he uh, maybe this is what. He does. He's just really consistent throughout the playoffs. But and it would be great we'll for Jacob Marstrom too, as yeah. well, just the way that he's played. It would be a nice reward for yeah, his team to continue. Too. All right, now we go to the Flyers and the Islanders. Um, so I've seen, compared to the other three series, I haven't seen as much of this series, but um, it's still playoff hockey, so uh, just keep that in mind. But uh, the Islanders are continuing their crazy run right now. They're up 2-1. There's also Game 4 on Sunday. Oh, I forgot to mention Vegas and Vancouver also play on Sunday before we record. Yeah, um, and so does this series. So it'll yeah, either so be 3-1 to one Islanders or tied at 2. Yeah. So um, the Islanders shut out the Flyers in Game 1 for nothing, um, And then in Game 2, it was a little bit more close. And in fact... The Flyers won in overtime uh, thanks to Philip Myers. Philip e. Myers, I think that's your Philip first. Myers, yeah. Um, and then in uh, game three, it was 3 1. Uh, former Leafs uh, Leo Komarov and Matt Martin got the two goals to, uh, to uh, make it uh, less than that here. Um, in terms of players to keep an eye on during the series, or have been really good. Um, I guess it's been kind of low scoring. Um, let me see. Uh, <laughs> I have this list of all the guys in this series who've been good. Matthew Barzal has three assists. I know, I know has scored at least one key goal. That much yeah. I do know. I'm pretty sure he tied game two. I believe, if I'm looking correctly... Oh, Anders Lee, he has three goals. Yeah. Um... He got the insurance marker in game three. Yeah. I was going to say, I believe Matthew Barzal had the most... Well, he also has three points, but Joe has two goals. 
Yep. Kevin Hayes has two goals as well. Um, Sean Couturier has a goal and an assist. Leo Komarov has a goal and an assist, so it's been kind of low scoring. But I feel like Drew's yeah. been a bit silent compared yeah. to other playoff runs. Um, the, the points haven't been easy to come by. Yeah, he isn't even on this list here of the top no. 50 guys in the second round. So, um, yeah, and uh, so... The Islanders' run has gone on pretty far now. Um, safe to say that, but are they for real, or is it Philly just not doing so well? Um, I'm kind of surprised because I felt like Carter Hart was, like you know, was one of the best goaltenders that was going right now, and they looked the Flyers looked really good in the round robin. Of course, that's like you know two of the teams, the Bruins and the uh, Capitals, weren't really trying. Um, so you take that with a grain of salt, but still, Carter Hart looked pretty good um, in the you know against the the, the Montreal Canadiens. So you thought like, okay, maybe he'll get going again um, against the Islanders, but it doesn't look that that's the case. Um, he still has a two point oh eight GAA and a save percentage of nine thirty one. So that's still pretty good, but at the same time, you're like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, and then Varlamov has been incredible. I mean, his own right. Um, like he shut out the uh, the like um, the Flyers, and um, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, he has a one point six nine. Apparently, his record uh, following a, a loss has also been very strong. Too. Yeah. So, so yeah, he's he's been hot as well. Um, yeah, I think like we've we've talked about this before. Like you know, all you really need in the playoffs is a hot goalie. So if Arlamov continues this hot run. I don't, and you get as long as you get scoring, like, yeah, you're you're gonna be pretty good. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think this could continue. Um, I believe I did have the Flyers winning. Um, I believe I had the Flyers winning in six, or something like that. So I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, but, uh, so, but I could still see the Flyers winning. Um, but it'll probably be Flyers and seven instead of Flyers and six. Yeah, I had the Flyers and seven. Um, I'm not feeling as confident about my prediction, to be honest, because yeah. on top of a hot goalie, uh, having a lot of character also helps, and I feel like the Islanders have a lot of that, and it's showing off uh, more often than it has with Philadelphia. Um, and not to say the Flyers don't have any character. Right, they right. do, I'm sure. We've just seen the Islanders... Um, in action a lot more and they just have just a belief system the way the coaches prepared these guys um, the way they performed all year they just seemed like a really tight-knit group and um, there was a play late in the second period it was 1-1 with about 25 seconds left and um, so this is the second period of uh, game three and uh, the face-offs in the Islander zone Elaine Vigneault, the Flyers coach, puts his top line, his top defensive pairing on the ice, and the Islanders score in the dying seconds of the second period. Like 15 to 20 seconds later, the Flyers, or the Islanders are up 2-1 to one, uh, heading into the third period, even though they had the faceoff in their own zone and they had to go all the way to the other end of the ice. They grinded it out, and Leo Komarov, one of those gritty role players, um, gets the job done. And it doesn't matter who, 
this is a team that scores by committee, wins by committee, and just finds a way to win games when no one expects them to. And they believe themselves they can win. And I tell you, when I see that type of character, um, I think sometimes, depending on who it's against, character trumps skill. And right now, the Islanders character is trumping the Flyers' skill and their Flyers' depth. So they need to have a response to that. If the Islanders go up 3-1, to one, the Flyers are done. They're not winning three straight against the Islanders. The Islanders, on one of those three cracks, will make good on it. So I think if the Flyers tie the series at two, they have a shot. If they lose and go down 3-1, to one, the Islanders at some point are going to finish them. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I guess we'll see, but <laughs> I don't know. It's it should be a tight race. I feel like the um, I also feel the yeah. that Broussard and Pajot being on the Sens run in 2017 has also helped the character of this team too. Yeah. Because I feel like the Sens run in 2017 is a lot similar to this one the Islanders are on right now. Yeah, I could see that. It feels like you know they don't score as much, and you know. Uh, guys but they score like when me. it matters. Yeah, they score when it matters, and they're a bit like guys like me who are like they just call them boring. But um, but yeah, it doesn't matter if you win. So um, right, yeah, we'll see. All right, that about does it for us. Um, you can you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. Um, continue to follow us and subscribe to us. That'd be great. Uh, our Facebook is lace them up. Lace them up. Our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 235 of the Lace Them Up Podcast.